Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Morning. I would like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Jamie Porter, Chief Financial Officer. Please go ahead, Mr. Porter. Thank you, Operator, and thanks to everyone for attending Alamos' third quarter 2020 conference call. In addition to myself, we have on the line today John McCluskey, President and CEO, and Peter McPhail, Chief Operating Officer. We will be referring to a presentation during the conference call that is available through the webcast and on our website. I would also like to remind everyone that our presentation will be followed by a Q&A session. As we will be making forward-looking statements during the call, please refer to the cautionary notes included in the presentation, news release, and MD&A, as well as the risk factors set out in our annual information form. Technical information in this presentation has been reviewed and approved by Chris Boswick, our Vice President of Technical Services, and a qualified person. Also, please bear in mind that all the dollar amounts mentioned in this conference call are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise noted. With that, I'll turn it over to John to provide you with an overview of the quarter. Thank you very much, Jamie, and welcome everyone to our conference call. We've had an excellent third quarter, operationally and financially, and we've delivered on several key catalysts which have solidified our strong outlook. These include the completion of the lower mine expansion at Young-Davidson, the announcement of the Phase 3 expansion at Island Gold, and the Liaki Grande construction decision. We produced 117,000 ounces of gold at significantly lower costs, with each of our operations performing very well in the third quarter. Consolidated total cash costs of $681 per ounce and all-in sustaining costs of $949 per ounce decreased sharply from the first half of the year, and both were revised uh, below revised guidance. This reflected a strong quarter at Mulatto's, another record quarter at Island Gold, and Young-Davidson starting to demonstrate its full potential with underground mining rates increasing as planned. The strong operational performance and higher gold prices drove a number of financial records in the quarter, most notably record free cash flow of $76 million. We expect strong free cash flow to continue in the fourth quarter and remain on track to achieve our revised full-year production guidance and cost guidance. Moving to slide four, our health and safety protocols continue to evolve as we look for the best ways to protect our employees, their families, and our communities from the COVID-19. In addition to the strict protocols already in place, we are now testing employees for COVID-19 before they start rotations within the camps at our Island Gold and Mulatto lines. The picture on the left shows the laboratory at Island Gold where we're now con- conducting more than 1,300 tests per month. We're performing a similar number of tests at Mulatto's. These programs are extremely important to ensure we have the ability to identify and prevent the spread of the virus. Additionally, we continue to support our local communities in area of need, ranging from sponsoring meal services for our communities around the Island Gold operation, to supplying medical and safety equipment and supplies to the communities near Mulatto. Slide five outlines our focus, 
on operating a sustainable business model that can support growing returns to shareholders over the long term. The completion of the lower mine expansion at Young Davidson marked a transition from a reinvestment phase to a period of strong free cash flow generation. We will take a balanced approach to deploying this free cash flow, paying higher dividends, strengthening our balance sheet, and reinvesting in high return organic growth projects like the Island Gold Phase 3 expansion and Liaki Grande. At current gold prices, Island Gold and Mulattoes can more than self-finance their respective projects, allowing us to continue generating strong free cash flow and support higher dividends. These projects will in turn drive additional free cash flow growth and further return to shareholders that are sustainable over the long term. Given our strong cash position and outlook, we repaid the $100 million drawn on our revolving credit facility in October and are once again debt-free. Aligned with our commitment to returning capital to shareholders, we are also pleased to announce a 33% increase in our dividend to an annual rate of $0.08 cents per share starting in December 2020. We have now increased the dividend by 300% since 2018 and believe there is room for further dividend increases to come. I will now turn the call over to our CFO, Jamie Porter, to re review our financial performance. Jamie. Thank you, John. Moving on to slide six, we had the best quarter in the company's history from a financial perspective with record operating cash flow, free cash flow, and adjusted earnings in the third quarter. Higher margins at each of Young Davidson, Island Gold, and Mulattoes contributed to record free cash flow of $76 million in the quarter. Island Gold and Mulattoes both performed extremely well, generating mine-site free cash flow of $41 million and $31 million, respectively. The $41 million of free cash flow at Island Gold set another quarterly record. In fact, in the first three quarters of 2020, Island Gold generated $70 million in mine-site free cash flow, already exceeding the previous annual record of $65 million generated in 2019. Mulattoes has been equally impressive, generating $64 million of mine-site free cash flow year-to-date. A significant portion of this has been driven by Sarah Pallone, a project we built and brought into production late last year for $25 million in capital. This highlights the high returns and quick paybacks from these types of projects, something we can look forward to with La Yaki Grande. On a consolidated basis, we sold 116,000 ounces of gold at a realized price of $1,882 per ounce for revenues of $218 million in the quarter. Total cash cost of $681 per ounce and all in sustaining costs of $949 per ounce decreased 18% and 15% respectively from the first half of the year, and were both below full-year guidance. Lower costs reflected the completion of the lower mine expansion at Young Davidson, as well as the resumption of normal operating levels at Island Gold and Mulattoes following the COVID-19-related temporary suspensions in the second quarter. We remained very well positioned to achieve our revised full-year cost guidance. We continue to enhance our health and safety protocols with respect to COVID-19, including adding testing in Mulattoes and Island Gold during the third quarter. Looking forward, we expect COVID-19 testing and related costs to add approximately $25 per ounce to our cost structure in the fourth quarter and into 2021. Operating cash flow before changes in non-cash working capital improved 63% year-over-year to a record $130 million, or $0.33 cents per share in the third quarter. Our reported net earnings of $68 million, or $0.17 cents per share, included unrealized foreign exchange gains of $11 million recorded within deferred taxes and foreign exchange. Excluding these items, our adjusted net earnings were $57 million or $0.15 cents per share. 
Capital spending totaled $55 million in the third quarter, including $23 million of sustaining capital, $29 million of growth capital, and $3 million of capitalized exploration. As with the second quarter, growth capital spending was focused on completing the lower mine expansion at Young Davidson, work on the tailings facilities at both Young Davidson and Island Gold, and other infrastructure projects primarily at Island Gold. We expect full-year capital spending to be in line with guidance of between 205 and $235 million. Our next quarterly dividend of eight will be paid in December, a 33% increase from the previous quarter. This will bring our returns to shareholders to $31 million in 2020 through dividends and share buyback, double the amount returned in 2019. We ended the quarter with $274 million in cash, up from $201 million at the end of June, and $40 million of equity securities. Given our strong free cash flow outlook, we repaid the $100 million drawn on our revolving credit facility in mid-October, giving us $500 million of additional liquidity and no debt. We remain very well positioned to fund our internal growth projects while continuing to grow our cash position and grow returns to shareholders. I will now turn the call over to our COO, Peter McPhail, to provide an overview of our operations. Thank you, Jamie. Moving to slide seven, Young Davidson generated mine site free cash flow of $11 million in the third quarter from the production of 36,400 ounces at total cash costs of $923 per ounce mine site all in sustaining costs of $1,196 per ounce. All were significant improvements from the first half of the year, reflecting a partial quarter operating from the new lower mine infrastructure. Following the completion of the lower mine expansion in July, underground mining rates increased in the quarter to average 6,700 tons per day. Mining rates are expected to continue to improve, along with grades mined and milled, driving production higher in the fourth quarter. Young Davidson remains on track to achieve its revised annual production and cost guidance. Over to slide eight, we are already benefiting from the efficiencies of the new lower mine infrastructure with higher underground mining rates than the mine has ever achieved and at lower costs. Mining rates increased throughout the quarter and averaged 8,000 tons per day in September with the operation benefiting from the significant inventory of broken ore built up during the tie-in. This demonstrates the expanded capacity of the lower mine infrastructure with its increased skipping capacity and ore storage capacity, as well as increased automation. In addition to supporting higher mining rates, increased automation, productivity, and economies of scale are driving costs lower. We expect mining rates to increase to a sustainable rate of 7,500 tons a day by the end of 2020, which will continue to drive production higher and costs lower. Combined with lower capital spending, we expect this to drive significant free cash flow growth into the fourth quarter and into 2021. Over to slide nine, Island Gold set a number of new records in the quarter, including record mine site free cash flow of 41 million from record production of 39,600 ounces. Total cash costs of $394 per ounce and mine site all in sustained costs $575 per ounce, we're down 22% and 17% respectively, compared to the same period last year. The lower costs reflect the higher grade mined and processed during the quarter, as well as lower royalties following the repurchase of the 3% NSR royalty in March of this year. In the fourth quarter, we expect grades to return to approximately reserve grade. Island Gold remains well positioned to achieve its annual production and cost guidance. Work on the phase three expansion is ramping up with higher capital expended, spending expected in the fourth quarter. 
The current focus remains on advancing permitting, site clearing, and detailed engineering of the shaft and associated infrastructure. Moving to slide 10, in September, we reported the best surface exploration hole to date at Island Gold, the drill hole MH2504, intersecting 27 grams per tonne cut over nearly 22 meters true width. Another strong result was from drill hole MH2503, intersecting 14 grams per tonne cut over 15 meters. These holes were 100 meters and 40 meters, respectively, down plunge from the high-grade Ferdinand resource block and up true widths three to four times greater than the average width of this resource block. These drill results continue to demonstrate the potential for further reserve and resource additions and also support our decision to sink a shaft as part of the phase three expansion. Moving on to slide 11, the Lattos had another strong quarter, producing 41,100 ounces, total cash costs of $746 per ounce, and mine site all in sustaining costs of $928 per ounce. Year-over-year, year, production was up 26%, and total cash costs were down 14%, reflecting the contribution of higher-grade ore from Cerakulone. While we expect grades and production to decrease somewhat in the fourth quarter, Malatos is on track to achieve its full-year production and cost guidance, given its strong year-to-date performance. Over to slide 12. As you can see in the photo, development of Laiaki Grande is well underway with activities in the third quarter focused on initial camp construction and clearing of the pit area. Construction activities are expected to ramp up in the fourth quarter with a focus on haul roads, construction, and the start of stripping activities. The bulk of Yaki Grande's initial capital budget of $137 million is expected to be spent in 2021 with initial production starting in the second half of 2022. Yaki Grande is another low-cost, high-return project. We expect a quick payback on this investment, much like we're seeing this year with Sarah Pallone. With that, I'll turn the call back to John. Thank you, Peter. Much appreciated. Um, I'll now, um, uh, that, that concludes the formal part of our presentation. I'll now do the call back to the operator and open the line for your questions. Thank you. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If at any time you wish to cancel the question, please press the pound sign. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while the participant register for questions. Thank you for your patience. The first question is from Fahad Tariq from Credit Suites. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my two questions. Um, the first, on capital allocation, you mentioned that you'd like to allocate a third of the free cash flow towards strengthening the, strengthening the balance sheet. Um, but right now, there's no debt. Uh, the cash balance is just shy of $300 million. Um, what is the goal for the cash balance before you maybe consider redirecting the free cash flow to the other two buckets? Thanks. Yeah, th thanks for the question. It's, it, it's Jamie here. Um, you know, Alamos has always been, I, I, I'd say, more conservative than, than, than many of our, our peers from, from a balance sheet perspective, and I think it's served us well. It's, uh, it, it's positioned us to be active uh, in terms of M&A um, when, you know, other market participants can't. So we'd be targeting uh, a cash balance of, you know, upwards of, of, of four to $500 million 
um, once we w- w- once we hit that target, we we start certainly increasing the uh, the allocation to the to the other buckets. If you look at uh, the, those priorities, you know, a third going to growth and, and exploration spending, a third to dividends and and other uh, shareholder returns, and a third to the balance sheet. The, those are kind of long term targets that we we anticipate uh, realizing over the next ten years. Uh, so if, if you look at the the, the current allocation. The next three to four years, the majority of our free cash flow is going to our high return growth projects, to the phase three expansion at Island Gold, uh, to building La Yaki Grande, and then and eventually to construction of Lynn Lake. Um, I think beyond that, beyond 2025, is when you see the free cash flow uh, generation really start to increase. And at that time, you'd see uh, a real significant uh, potential increase in the dividend. Got it. That that's very clear. Um, okay, and then the only other question I had was on Young Davidson. What, can you give some color why the the Q3 milling throughput was lagging the mining rates? I know you said that it's going to pick up in Q4 and kind of match the mining rate, but just curious why it lagged in the quarter. Yeah, thanks for the questions, Peter. Here, uh, you know, the uh, the skipping from the mine in Q3 was back half loaded uh, to a certain extent, so we really. The mine was really able to, to you know, put a lot of tons up the skip, uh, up the shaft uh, during kind of the latter part of August and into September. So uh, the mill uh, it ended up being the mill uh, created a bit of stockpile in front of the mill. The mill has no problem milling at 8,000 ton a day rate. Uh, you know, in for instance, in in October we're well above that. So that's that's the why that's why leg the mine uh, in the quarter. Okay, great. That's it for me. Thanks. Thank you. The next question is from Mike Parkin from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hey, guys. Congrats on the good quarter. Uh, a couple questions from me. Um, the power line at Molotos, will you be carrying that over to Layaki, and when would that connection like will that be over there in term in time for uh, first production yeah ab- absolutely mike it's uh you know production doesn't start there until uh you know 2021 uh we'll have plenty of time to uh, and it's planned to to bring that over uh you know early on okay in time and for that production is the capex budget factor that in or would that be incremental to that no that's that's factored in it's not. It's so not that also, far. It's it's about it's about five kilometers power line to bring it over. Okay, and then the cost estimates you've provided, then I guess already assume that power line connection. Correct. Okay. Um, and then, you know, you've always had kind of a, a strong discipline of you know buy when prices are are low uh, with respect to gold. Uh, what about the thought of you know, in this environment, selling any assets? Is there anything within the portfolio that you maybe would look to release, or you know, is that something that you guys are considering? Uh, this is John McCluskey. I'll, I'll answer that, Mike. Um, there are a, a couple of projects in our portfolio that are are clearly far uh, small, smaller for us now than uh, than when they were initially acquired. Um, you know, they're they're decent projects. We we continue to work on them and move them along, but um, in this market environment, as you could well imagine, we have uh, we have interest uh, inbound interest 
coming on those projects and um, and you know we're we're in discussion so you know it wouldn't be inconceivable if we if we sold some of those non-core assets okay super uh, that's it for me thanks guys and congrats again thanks Mike thank you the next question is from Cosmos Chu from CIBC. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Thank you, um, John, Jamie, and Peter. And, and congrats on a very strong uh, third quarter here. Um, maybe my first question is on, on Young Davidson. Um, you know, you talk about uh, the throughput, underground throughput at 8,000 tons per day. Um, but then you also talk about, you know, getting to a sustainable rate of 7,500 tons per day by year-end 2020. Can you help me bridge that um, sort of gap? Um, like, what do you need, you know, to do still to, to kind of get to that consistent rate? Because it sounds like you're already kind of there. Yeah, yeah thanks, Cosmos. Um, clearly, the uh, the underground infrastructure, the, the ore and waste movement infrastructure is well capable of, of 8,000 tons a day, and we've demonstrated that, uh, we've demonstrated that now. Uh, you know, our, our stope sequencing and, uh, you know, opening up of areas, uh, we, you know, budgeted to get to 7,500 tons a day by the end of uh, this year with that ramp up. And, mm -hmm. you know, while we were down through, you know, through the tie-in period, you know, that we've set ourselves up to do that. And we will continue to uh, ramp that up to 8,000 tons a day by, uh, you know, mid-ish next year. So, uh, we were able to demonstrate the 8,000 tons a day in September by, you know, drawing down on a bit of inventory that we would have built up through the through the tie-in. So that's, you know, that's the that's the bridge. For sure. Um, and then uh, I guess again on YD, um, you know, as we talked about, the, the throughput at the mill uh, was, you know, slightly lower in Q3 due to uh, there's no more stockpiles. I know you've talked about, you know, matching milling and mining rates, you know, into the future, but as kind of mining rates go up and if it uh, exceeds your expectations, is there any chance that you might want to build up a kind of stockpile once again, or is that not in the cards? I would suggest that uh, it's rare it's rare that you see a stockpile in front of a mill in a underground mining situation. It can happen, uh, we, we, and we had one at the end of, uh, end of Q3. The mill uh, has demonstrated in the past 8,000 tons a day. It has no problem doing 8,000 tons a day. I think we're sitting at close to 9,000 tons a day, and uh, uh, you know, through you know the first three, four, three weeks of of, uh, of October, um, you know, so there's no problem with, with with the mill if anybody is concerned about that. Um, it uh, it demonstrated 8,000 tons a day before we put in a pebble crusher. So we now have a pebble crusher in there. It's, it's not going to have any challenge uh, doing those kinds of tons. But this mine is a, you know, 8,000 ton a day, or maybe better yet to think of, about it as a 200,000 ounce a year plus uh, producer. And, uh, and, and that's what it'll do going forward. Okay. And, and then maybe the last question on YD here, you know, Certainly, the, the last several years was focused on, on the, you know, tying up or the, the underground infrastructure, you know, the operations, and, and more recently, uh, tying up the lower mine. But now that everything's sort of in place, and, and I know in the past, um, in the recent past, exploration has not really been a focus area, uh, at least for YD. 
Um, is that is that going to change now? Hi, Hi, yeah, this go ahead. is John here. I, I would I would say um, you know we're we're clearly interested in seeing what the further extension potential is at depth to to YD. We we don't have um, any, anywhere near the same sort of uh, um, need, let's say, to um, build reserves at YD as as we do say at at Island or Mulatos, where you know reserve growth is driven by very specific. Uh, production requirements. Um, YD has 13 years of reserves the way it sits right now. Um, it, it's, uh, you, you know, you're only adding marginal value when you're adding reserves that go out beyond, uh, beyond 15 years. But having said that, uh, we have started uh, drilling at YD again um, as we, into the second half of this year. We do have drilling taking place, exploration drilling taking place there right now. And, uh, and we're going to allocate a, a reasonably good budget for it for 2021. So I would say going into 2021, uh, we'll, based on success, we, you'll probably see uh, additional reserve growth at, uh, and young, at Young Davidson based on that drilling. Mm -hmm. oh, that's, that's great to hear. And uh, those are all the questions I have. Thanks, John and team, and congrats again on a very strong Q3, and, and stay safe, everyone. Thank you. The next question is from Carrie Smith from Haywood Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Thanks, operator. Uh, Peter, just on YD, if I can just kind of maybe ask the question a different way. You, you have averaged 8,000 tons a day in September. What was the best week you had, let's say, on an average? Like, I'm just curious how much this mill can do. The mill, uh, uh, well, I mean, you know, we put out 9,000 ton days all the time, so. Oh, you do? Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, so that's great. So you've got all kinds of capacity there, and uh, probably just assume it's going to do 8,000 ton a day, no problem. Okay. okay. The, we were, uh, the, the, the miners get one chance to bury the mill, and, and, and they took advantage of it uh, with some, Tremendous performance in the latter part of the quarter. <laughs> never, you'll never see it again. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, John, just on the the portfolio optimization on the non-core stuff, I'm assuming that maybe S Brands and and some of those projects fall into that bucket. Would you consider today that that Turkey's a core asset? Then, I mean, just given the delays you've had there, are you kind of thinking that maybe that's something that you maybe would optimize out of the portfolio? It's certainly not. Uh, it, it's not core. For example, we acquired it. Remember, in in 2010, when they were exploration projects, okay. we were very successful in that exploration, and we built up a fairly substantial reserve there, roughly three million ounces. Um, that made it quite uh, quite interesting. And then when we when we completed the economic studies, uh, they demonstrated very very strong economics, and so you know, they, became, they were very attractive projects. But between the time that we um, we fleshed out those those economics and where we are today, you know, we've since acquired Young Davidson, we've acquired Island Gold, we've we've built our our production up up over a, a run rate of 500,000 ounces a year normalized, and um, 
And so from that perspective, you know, Turkey clearly isn't as, as core as it, as it once was. And, um, and questions have come up over the course of the last few quarters on these calls and at conferences and in investor meetings and so forth. And, and we've been very candid about the fact that, um, you know, we're, we're disappoint, disappointed with the delays that we've experienced. And um, I, I don't see things uh, getting any easier in Turkey. Uh, we may very well benefit from uh, from taking on a Turkish partner. Um, it, it's no secret that uh, you know we get all kinds of of inbound interest uh, on these assets, and um, particularly from uh, from Turkish mining uh, entities. And so, from that point of view, you know we're we're going to look as best we can to surface values from those assets, and it's it's. It's not satisfying at all to us to just uh, be in a, a sit-and-wait mode when we've got a project that's effectively fully permitted and and construction was was underway. We were four months into construction when, when we were effectively stopped. So um, current situation is certainly not um, not acceptable. We're 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 going to do something about it one way or the other. And one of the alternatives we're we're looking at is. Um, is Taking on a, a party who would third party would come in at the uh, at the project level to partner with us. I gotcha. Okay. Okay, that's great. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, please press star one on your telephone keypad if you have a question or comment. The next question is from Dalton Barreto from Canaccord. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Uh, thank you. John, I'd like to continue on uh, the segue Kerry made into Turkey there. Um, has anything changed on the ground regionally in Shanakale, uh, you know, either for better or worse? Well, things are continually changing in Turkey, uh, you know, from the, I mean, probably the most, uh, you know, stark change over the last year is that the lira has gone from approximately 5.9 to the dollar to uh, 8.2 to the dollar, uh, the economy of the of the Chinakali region is is in really desperate uh, desperate shape. It's it's a region that relies very heavily on on tourism, uh, particularly the capital of Chinakali itself uh, relies very heavily on tourism, and and tourism was down drastically this year. So um, yeah, the economy is uh, is taking a, a a real hit. The economy of this region is taking a real hit. So um, you know there is there's quite a, uh, a, a how should I put it you know a, a very vocal discussion going on there between you know those that would uh, like to see the project developed and, and who would benefit from the jobs and and uh, and, and supplying a, a, a substantial business of that uh, of that kind in in the region and and those who you know effectively oppose it. Um, the, port, the people that support it, by and large, are those people that are are located closest to it, and those that oppose it are 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 those from outside. And um, it, it's 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 an old story, and we we we've seen similar things in Canada uh, as we're seeing here in Turkey. So you know we're we're having to um, you know navigate a very sort of tricky waters here, and and we're. Um, you know, we're doing everything we can to uh, to put ourselves in the best position 
to, to take advantage of of the um, the change in sentiment that I I, I think uh, we're we're starting to observe. When I refer to that, I mean there's becoming a, a lot more um, interest in seeing this kind of economic activity in a badly you know badly hit region. Um, you know, we're we're hoping that that is ultimately going to lead the government to uh, to reinstating our our mining licenses and allowing allowing us to get back to work. But uh, right now, the the best thing that uh, we can do is be patient. That's what the government has been asking us to do. I guess there's a certain point in time coming when you know we will no longer be patient, and at that point, we're going to have to look at uh, what are what our alternatives are. Not a good position to be in. They're they're great projects, but uh, unfortunately, you know, we we found ourselves just over a year ago put into a, a a pretty tough position where we effectively can't do any work, and um, it, it's it's, um, it's it's not something we anticipated, and it's not something we're happy with. But I think we're um, you know we're going to see a, a change one way or the other coming up over the next six months. Thank you. That's helpful. Um, John, when you talk to investors, um, does this situation, or do you feel that the situation impairs you at all from an ESG perspective? Um, you know, I I would say no. I, I, you know, in, anyone who has looked at what happened there closely understands that, uh, you know, effectively we were, we were somewhat railroaded. Uh, it was... Um, you know, a, a social media campaign based on a whole slew of of false allegations, and and that is very well understood right by now uh, by our investors and and certainly by everyone inside of Turkey. Even the people who did it know very well what they did, and um, you know th- that's probably why it, it just doesn't have the the, the power to stick as uh, as is other, otherwise would if, if if we were actually guilty of something. Um, in terms of you know, violating uh, our, our permits or, 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 or doing something um, you know, that would be harmful to the environment. I mean, the primary uh, criticism that, uh, that the project development received was the, was the cutting down of trees in this region. And, of course, all those trees were cut down by the Ministry of Forests. They weren't cut down by the company at all. No company has a right to, to cut down trees. The government themselves cut those trees. They harvested those trees. They sold the trees. They kept all the revenue for those trees. We had nothing to do with that. And, and this is a very, this is an actively forested region. And our, our particular um, site represented less than 2% of the, um, of the area of, of, of Chinookoli that, uh, that was forested that year. So, you know, it's um, it, it's really a political situation that uh, that we're in the middle of there. It's uh, it, it's it, it's the way of the opposition to attack the government uh, through attacking their environmental policies, and and they they tried to make much more out of this than it actually was, and and they've they've managed to initially gain a tremendous amount of support, but all based on on false out. Allegations, because this is so well understood, I, I would say that we are not facing, um, you know, a, a, a great deal of, uh, of uh, difficulty from a perspective. If you don't look at the situation carefully, if you were to just 
you know, go online and uh, and, and and take your uh, your your ESG uh, policy making or decision making from from uh, what you're reading on Twitter or something like that. Yeah, maybe maybe you maybe you're going to be misled. But if you, anyone who looks into the details of what happened wouldn't wouldn't make a mistake. That that's great context. Thank you. And maybe I can just switch gears for one more question. Uh, Lynn Lake, I understand sanctions still a couple of years away, and you go through permitting. But could you give us a sense for what you would want to see from this project in order to sanction it? And you know, when we as analysts will see an update on the project. Do you want to take that, Peter? Yeah, maybe I'd put it over to Jamie, actually. Okay. Yeah, no, I think we're, I, I mean, you'll recall the feasibility study that we put out back in December of 2017 and the project had uh, about a 12.5% IRR at a 12.50 gold price. Uh, we, we've been working away at it uh, from an exploration perspective, you know, finding additional ounces to uh, to, to, to put into that, 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 that resource, and I think we've, we've had some success. Our goal ultimately is uh, to, to get it to about a 15% IRR at uh, a $1,300 gold price, and I think we're, we're, we're pretty close to there. Um, we do have, you know, we're spending $6, 7000000 million a year on exploration. We have a massive land package there. Um, we've had some very encouraging results, so we do anticipate being able to expand resources there and, and, and make the project better. Um, but you know, even at a at a fifteen hundred dollar gold price right now, it's got a twenty two percent after tax IRR, and at uh, anywhere close to the spot, it's, it's closer to you know thirty two, thirty three percent. So we we like the project. It uh, it, it gives us the, the potential to get to six hundred thousand ounces of Canadian production in twenty twenty five. When you add Lynn Lake to what we'll be producing at Island Gold and uh, and the two hundred thousand ounces a year we'll get from Young Davidson. So. We, uh, we, we do like it. We'd be in a position to make a construction decision uh, in the middle of 2022 once, once permitting is complete. And obviously, we'd, we'd evaluate the, the, the gold price, the, uh, the, you know, the Canadian dollar FX rate, uh, and all the other factors at, at, at that time before moving forward. Thanks. Do you anticipate putting out a study ahead of that? Uh, we may uh, we, we may update the study. I mean, the, the, the capital that's that's in our our 2017 feasibility study is uh, is fully baked. There hasn't been a lot in the way of changes to that, though. We've continued with uh, you know engineering and, and further studying those costs. So, I don't think there's been a material change on the capex side. Um, if we're able to add uh, materially to, to to the resource, and by materially I'm, I'm talking like two to three hundred thousand ounces, then then we consider uh, updating the study certainly. Great. Thanks, guys. That's all for me. Thank you. The next question is from Stephen Grodko from Pershing's Global Financial Solutions. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Mr. Grodko, your line is open. Please proceed with your question. If you are on mute, unmute your line, please. I think you might have lost him, operator. Why don't we proceed to the next caller? So we have no further question registered at this time. So this concludes today's morning call. If you have any further questions, that not have been answered, please 
feel free to contact Mr. Scott Parsons at 416-368-9932, extension 5439. So the conference has now ended. Please disconnect at this time, and we thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.